For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. The Pulse of Portland, a public affairs program of KKPZ with Paul Van Sickle. Thank you for joining us here on KKPZ 1330 The Truth. I'm Paul Van Sickle. This is the Pulse of Portland. And there has been a growing number of legislative proposals in, uh, in states around the country that could regulate charitable giving the same way that political giving is regulated, which requires disclosure of names, addresses, and employers of those contributing. And at the beginning of June, the Cascade Policy Institute hosted an event that dealt with the, the, the question, do citizens have a right to privacy when it comes to charitable giving? They had uh, a couple different speakers, a conversation going on, and people in attendance that uh, were able to, to, to listen and, and dialogue. And it, it, the, the subject is, whether we, we think it could be an issue or not, the, the fact is, uh, well, really, it is an issue. So we're going to talk about it today with John Charles, the CEO and president of the Cascade Policy Institute. You can read more uh, about John and what they do at Cascade Policy Institute at their website, cascadepolicy.org. And John, thanks for taking time to join us and talk with us today about this really important issue that's really kind of flying under the radar in the midst of everything else that's going on in our country and in our states right now. Well, it is under the radar, but I think it's pretty important because most people, I suspect, when they give a donation to the symphony or the opera or the Boy Scouts or Cascade Policy Institute or whatever cause they wish to support, probably have reason to think that's a private transaction. And there are people around the country who want to sort of out these donors, concerned that somehow big money is corrupting charitable sector, and they want all those contributions reported. And I should say, we Cascade is a charitable organization chartered under Section 501c3 of the IRS code, and that is the most common part of the code that you would find in charitable organizations, just like all the ones I mentioned. There are groups called C4 groups that are much more overtly involved in political and lobbying activities, and then, of course, there are PACs, political action committees, and those are the ones that have to list every donation by name and employer, etc. So we prefer to operate in the charitable sphere where we are. We would rather not be regulated as if we were a PAC. Is the having the employers listed? Is that something that's a new legislation, or has those th- that just started to be published? Because I've seen more of that kind of breakdown by who the employers are when it comes to political giving more in the last probably six months than I don't think I'd ever seen it before. That is, was that a new part of regulation, or has that always been there and people just hadn't exploited it until now? I don't think it's new. I think anytime if you go to a campaign event and you write a check to a candidate for office, or you write a check to a political action committee, they should ask you your name, your address, your job, your employer, and that will show up if you then 
do research at the Secretary of State's office for what they call the CNE reports, contribution and election reports. You can find, uh, and there are people who do this for a living. They research, uh, you know, the opposition mm-hmm. who gave money to this candidate who ran. Especially if that candidate ran and lost, and you are on the winning side, uh, it's certainly true that a donor to the losing side is likely to face retribution mm. from the winning side, which is one of the problems with uh, this kind of uh, transparency. For kind of stat geeks like me, I, I find it very fascinating and find it interesting and intriguing, and I like looking at all that stuff. But uh, yeah, again, on when it comes back to a personal level of what we should and should not know, and again, that's just in the political realm. Now we're moving into a totally different private sector of, of giving, whether it's, like you said, any of the wonderful nonprofits and we have more nonprofits in Portland per capita than anywhere else in the country, you know? So it's like, do, do we need our personal records out there? Talk about kind of both sides of the issue on this that were presented back at the, the debate that you guys had at Multnomah Athletic Club on the, the 1st of June. Well, we were fortunate to have uh, a modest grant from a foundation called the uh, Roop Foundation, and they're interested in these kinds of debates. So we were able to attract debaters from both sides of the question. Dan Meek is a public interest attorney, and he is in favor of donor transparency. Jim Huffman is a retired lawyer and dean of Lewis and Clark Law School and also ran against U.S. Senator uh, Ron Wyden five years ago. And then Nigel Jacobs is a Climate Week reporter, a prize-winning reporter, and he moderated the panel. And basically, it comes down to different personal views, I suppose, about what level of accountability or transparency is appropriate. And I think, certainly, uh, if you give to the symphony some large amount, and then you go to, wa- go to watch the symphony, you might enjoy seeing your name in the program. Or if you give to your university you went to, you might enjoy seeing your name. So there's really very little risk there. But if you give money you know, to a political candidate, then, of course, you do face retribution. And for groups like Cascade, we are a charity we, in, in a similar fashion to uh, symphony, but our work is political in nature, and many of our donors would prefer to keep their giving private. And I think we just discussed the various aspects of that question. You mentioned the word retribution for losing sides and things, and we've seen even without this being enforced, we've seen what happened with things like Chick-fil-A and as far as the fact they were supporting and even in giving free or discounted catering to focus on the family events and what, what happened with that a few years ago, that things on individual scales could could come about like that and and that that is problematic and it's not just retribution i mean even something as as feel goodish as the ohsu phil knight challenge which they recently successfully met raising 500 million dollars to trigger 500 million contributions from phil and penny knight at one point there was an anonymous gift i think of 100 million dollars mm. and eventually it was outed that it was uh kurt boyle now, this, it's certainly very honorable to give to that challenge. There's not any retribution there. But the fact is, she originally chose to give her gift anonymously. And so it doesn't really matter whether the giving or the cause that you're supporting is political or not. My own view is, if you wish to remain anonymous, you should be allowed to remain anonymous. Mm-hmm. And I even would prefer a lot more anonymity in politics. But I accept the fact that that is already regulated. If I give a gift to a candidate, I'm going to have to have that publicized, and so be it. What I don't want is to have that attitude 
uh, migrate over to the charitable sector, and that is happening. Well, the state of Montana adopted legislation just this year in this area. Five other states it was introduced but not passed. And also in Congress, a, a ranking minority member of a committee sent letters to about nine universities that had scientists, including as prestigious as MIT and Georgia Institute of Technology, requesting all the donors supporting the work of certain scientists mm -hmm. who had testified in front of a congressional committee because this particular member of Congress did not like the scientists' the scientist views regarding global warming. So he wanted to know who was supporting their work. Mm -hmm. And most universities would generally feel not compelled to reveal all of that. So, yeah, that makes sense. Is there Has there been any uh, legislation in the Northwest up here, Oregon or Washington, that's been even uh, introduced or kicked around at all in committees? May possibly in Washington. I am not aware of any requirements proposed in Oregon that would force release of donor information in nonprofits. And the Oregon legislature is probably just a few days away from adjourning, so mm -hmm. I don't think anything will emerge this session. So in that sense, the debate was timely because it's easier to have a debate sort of in the abstract when you don't have something right on the shopping block. Agreed. Uh, there's nothing pending. But I would be surprised if we don't see something proposed in 2016 or 2017. And so our debate, which was video recorded and is uh, on, on the web, is something that for people who are interested in the topic, they can listen to two experts and a, and a really uh, smart moderator who probed the issues and learn more about all the arguments for and against. And I was very pleased <clears throat> afterwards, within a week, we emailed a survey monkey uh, survey to everyone that we had email addresses for, and we got a pretty good response. And we found um, that about a third of the people who listened to the debate found that their views afterwards had changed somewhat from their views beforehand. Mm -hmm. So the debaters did a good enough job that it made a lot of people reconsider their views. And really, that's all we want out of a debate is to make people think critically on this issue. Yeah, and that again, that is the key, just to get people to uh, be open. And like you said, it's probably easier uh, to have this kind of discourse and conversation before things uh, get heated and are on the table. And that's when, you know, the, 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 the partisan sound bites come up and, you know, everything starts to just uh, get, I guess, yeah, heated would be the right word instead of being able to discuss these things in advance uh, for us here in Oregon. That's fantastic. Um, so overall, the people that were in attendance, again, I know they were persuaded, but the crowd itself, did the, how, how was that? Was the, Did they enjoy the conversation? Was there conversation um, with the debaters and the crowd as well? Yeah, it was a really good event. We had over 100 people show up, and because Dan Meek has a big following, quite a few of his uh, folks showed up, so we had a lot of diversity in the crowd. It wasn't just the usual sort of cascade event. People from across the political spectrum were in the, were in the crowd. We had a wireless mic that we circulated, so people were able to ask their questions directly and not having to write them on a card. And the debaters did a great job. And the most common comment that I received afterwards in mingling with people was how many people who don't even know me came up and said they really were impressed, that it was very civil, and that the uh, debaters made people rethink their own views. So I'm, I'm very pleased about that. 
Again, we're talking with John Charles, president and CEO of the Cascade Policy Institute. Find out more at cascadepolicy.org. You can, uh, again, watch the video of this whole debate where it's about an hour and a half that you can uh, watch and learn more and see some of the other stats that came out of this. And and quickly, we have just about a minute or so left, but one of the other topics I wanted to touch while we were talking about charitable giving and had seen something that had come out in your newsletter about charitable giving, and a lot of people uh, are thinking about where their money's going to go after they are gone and leaving a legacy. And uh, you just had a quick little thing to say in there about uh, charitable giving and and wills. Yeah, I just wanted to remind people that the subject of wills or estates or trusts can be intimidating and certainly complex, and many people procrastinate and uh, do nothing, and they could they could pass away unexpectedly and leave a lot of assets um, that are not going to be going to causes they might like. I wanted to point out that there are very simple ways to, to do sort of half a job or a third of a job, and that is that whenever you open a checking account or a savings account or an IRA or a 401k or a 403b, retirement account, you're typically in filling out the paperwork, they're going to ask you uh, for beneficiary information. Mm. That if you uh, pass away, who will get these assets? And you can list that 100% goes to somebody, or you can list 15 beneficiaries and percentageize it and sign the form and walk away. That only takes you a few minutes. Well, that actually is more powerful than your will. If, if your will does not, does not specifically talk about that, then those um, percentages that you mentioned in your beneficiary form at the time you open a checking account or a 403B, that will hold. So that can be uh, short, short of your perfect solution that you think you might do someday, which you don't get around to. You could simply, at the time you open one of those other accounts, make sure that if, if you're fond of Cascade Policy Institute and you've been supporting Cascade or another charity for years, you could say, okay, well, uh, 10 or 15% of this account should I die, goes to Cascade. And 50% goes to this person, or X percent goes to my spouse, X percent to my kids, X percent to this charity. And it might only take you 30 seconds to let the form sign and move on. And you, know, you, don't, you haven't paid an attorney, you haven't needed to put a lot of thought into it, and then your assets are protected. So I just wanted to point that out to people, that that's a very good option if you haven't thought about it. Yeah, definitely. And uh, we do encourage you again to go to CascadePolicy.org. Sign up for their uh, newsletter to get more up-to-date information on the articles they have uh, coming out. And there's always always something going on that they're uh, diving in and talking, to, talking about. So, John, thanks so much again for your work and for taking time to join us today here on KKPZ. All right. Thanks, Paul. This has been The Pulse of Portland with Paul Van Sickle. Email comments, questions, and topic ideas to publicaffairs at kkpz.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.